You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week is Tina Amini. What's up, everybody? Justin Davis. Scoop. And Sam Claiborne. Hey, everybody. And we've got a great show for you this week. Lots of uh, Lucasfilm games news to talk about. That means Star Wars. That means Indiana Jones. But first, I want to show you a shirt that my dad got me for Christmas. Oh, no. Can you see him? (laughs) It's your boy. Godzilla rocking a Gibson. (laughs) <laughs> sg yeah very good guys, little boy extremely on brand for Dave. it is yeah, it's, it's literally the meme the perfect shirt for me doesn't exist yeah um and i'm also just noticing justin's got kind of a he's got real uh princess leia vibes on today oh i guess that's true yeah <laughs> i've got a little pulp fiction uh easter oh, cool. egg going on cool. over here you can't tell but it's two little dancers nice um yeah let's start with that um lucasfilm games news this week uh let's start with the star wars stuff open world star wars game is in development not at electronic arts it's in development at ubisoft uh it's from the division developer ubisoft massive no indication has been given as to uh whether uh it would be single player or multiplayer or what part of the star wars timeline it would be in or when it might be released but uh ubisoft's eve Guimau says Quote, an, it's an original Star Wars adventure that is different from anything that has been done before. <laughs> Sam, what do you make of that? It can't be Yoda stories. It can't be Star Wars chess. It can't be Masters of Terrace Kasi. So yeah. we know it's none of those things. I'm yeah. just, if you just eliminate all the ways Star Wars has manifested <laughs> itself, you can figure out what this game is because it's not any of those. But um, it's also planned to be canon, help? whatever it is. Planned to be canon with, the, with just films and everything. Everything now, right? Yep, everything's canon. 
Um, um, I think this is such cool news. Uh, y- you know, the division is uh, not necessarily my cup of tea, but like mm-hmm. big AAA studio that's really, really well resourced and capable of of sort of doing Star Wars justice, undeniably. So, um, yeah, I'm really, really excited. We also yeah. um, dug into some of the job listings because obviously now that the word is out, they were like our Star Wars project and they're able to uh, be a little bit more descriptive there. Nothing too revelatory. Um, words like open world, action adventure, linear and non- non-linear storytelling uh, and mm-hmm. RPG style progression were thrown around. So it's a video game, folks. <laughs> you heard it you here know, first. <laughs> for as many Star Wars games as we've gotten, you know, it's been a million. Where, you know, this, this little trailer montage that's running is showing several of them. We haven't really ever gotten a big AAA open world Star Wars game. There's been role-playing games and, you know, Jedi Fallen Order is, I don't know what you would call that, wide linear, probably. I would would think on the positive side, this is just Jedi Fallen Order because it's a bunch of open areas and Hmm. that'd be fine with me. Uh, But I want, I want like, I want like Skyrim levels of open like or fallout Just like whatever. one big open area yeah, yeah i want like an actual open world star wars game where like that's this weird hole in like the in all the star wars games that we've gotten in the past if it was that 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 could work well but what worries me is seeing the division footage and thinking about the avengers and like yeah. you know did our lessons being learned about what uh you know open <laughs> world games are when they are also games of service or are lessons not being learned about that? And people really like the division, I should say. Anthem's the the thing that scares me as much as uh, Avengers. Yeah. yeah. No, f- that's a that's a very real. You know, I like Star Wars as much as the next nerd, but the franchise is sort of written into a corner because there are no Jedi in modern Star Wars. So unless they go back in time to Old Republic. All any player ever wants to do is run around as a Jedi, <laughs> but the fiction of every single Star Wars game has to contort itself for why, you know, oh, I'm not a Jedi, but I'm using a lightsaber, or uh, or Cal Kestis in Jedi Fallen Order is a Jedi, and here's why, you know, no one knows about him. Like, yeah. it, it's this big stumbling block that, like, every Star Wars game has to overcome. So, but even if you are a Jedi, like, you can't be getting a new lightsaber and equipping new loot and being on this loot grind really like oh you got you got different different robes i mean i don't know i'm sure there's a way they can make that work oh it's horrible i think we're uh, that's why the old republic works so well right Mm -hmm. it was a time when there were there were a lot of jedis uh i'm definitely a fan of a lot of ubisoft open world games a lot of assassin's creeds and far cries but um yeah just to echo what the others were saying the division's not really my cup of tea either Uh, the shared world sort of looter shooter is not really what i what i'm into so i don't know i don't know what to make of this uh uh, tina i I know you like a lot of uh, assassin's creeds uh obviously you like open world games like ghost of tsushima what what's your sort of take on this um, I didn't play the Division 1. I did actually like Division 2. And I think there are L- RPG elements that make sense and that, like, you know, really big, dense world uh, to go around and do different uh, activities in could could be a really good fit, too. So I have confidence that, you know, Ubisoft Massive is a great choice. In general, um, breaking out of EA exclusivity is just a good thing for them. It felt mm-hmm. like felt like EA developing those games um, was a bit of practice for what is now known as Lucasfilm Games. Uh, and now they get to branch out and pick like a developer per the type of game that they're going for so that they don't feel necessarily like hamstringed into, uh, squeezed into one publisher particularly. So it's like they got a little bit of confidence with the success of 
Jedi Fallen Order and, and Star Wars Squadrons and, and you know a couple uh, advancements to Battlefront 2. So they've figured out a formula that could work and now they get to poach essential, essentially developers from different talents to figure out what else they're going to do in this increasingly dense canon Star Wars world. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if, Damon, you're going to talk about the business side of this at all, but like something that really struck me is that the EA exclusivity of, of Star Wars games, they signed a 10-year deal. That deal is not over until 2023. Like I know, EA, yeah. Yeah. And so like I have to like I don't see any other way to take this except that you know Lucasfilm and Disney are upset with what EA has done. They were unwilling they were unwilling to wait for that exclusivity to end to like start doling out like they want to have games ready to go from third party partners the moment that exclusivity ends and has absolutely no problem allowing them to sort of pre-promote their games and you know market them like to me, it's a real, it's a real like middle finger. And like, to me, that's like the Mm -hmm. most dramatic part of this is like, maybe I'm totally wrong. Like, but my read on it is that they, they seem to be so unhappy with what's been going on with star Wars games that they were in a rush to like, yes, we have all these projects in the works from all kinds of, uh, of major AAA partners. And to be fair, we're like what, six, seven years into that deal. And we've had like three games, um, (laughs) Like at least one publicly canceled ones, yeah, and lots of yeah. controversy on Battlefront Two. So I, I imagine EA is like, we kind of get it. Um, I, I imagine like the fact that they haven't delivered on maybe as many games as they were expecting and as much good publicity as they were expecting makes sense for why everybody's kind of like, all right, let's expand this thing. We had a couple good successes. EA is going to continue along with Jedi Fallen Order Two. Like we already know, that's going to be a bit of a series. Who knows what else they might have planned too? So it's it's all in all a good thing. Yeah, um, yeah. I think Jonathan wrote, uh, Jonathan Dornbush for IGN wrote like a nice um, op-ed kind of looking at the comparisons between like Marvel being locked in with uh, a partnership with Activision, for instance, and how like look at the state of Marvel games now. Like it feels like we're not in that generation of a video game adaptation is just not going to be a good video game. Like we, we're kind of over that now. And it's it's through a couple of these like smart business models. Yeah, that's well, it's. And- Sorry, EA took so much heat for canceling, you know, Star Wars projects, canceling Amy Hennig's, you know, can- mm-hmm. Star Wars game. But it's tough for us to weigh in on that. Like games aren't canceled for no reason, you know. So um, it's it's the unpopular choice to make every single time because people are upset about being deprived about this thing that they wanted to get. But like, you know, again, cancellations don't just come out of the blue. So you know, they know more about the status of that project and how it was shaping up than we do. And like, it's a really, really brave decision to cancel a project that doesn't feel like it's coming together the way that it is, even though, you know, it makes EA unhappy, it makes Star Wars unhappy, it makes Star Wars fans unhappy. So, you know, it's been a really rocky road for EA. It's all of visceral games unhappy because they no longer <laughs> exist. R.I.P. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did you this? Right. Lucas had to form a different wing of Lucas because when everything was under EA, it's like, well, yeah, here's our style guide. Here's how lightsabers can sever limbs. It can only be from robots. We've covered this actually in IGN before. It can't be from, you know, minor human characters. There's all kinds of like rules. So like, it's clear that like they, they have to like, they had to invest in games at on the Lucas side and the Disney side to really care about this and make it a big thing. And in the absence of, 
giant motion pictures that are out right now, like TV and games makes total sense, first of all. So I think like this is like really, really fortunate that they're, that they're doubling down this. They also mentioned that these games would all be 70 bucks. I don't know if you guys saw that. Mm. Um, what? But I was going to say that. Uh, <laughs> That's such a weird detail to throw in there. Yeah, it's like because like well because they they had had a quote like you know people pay this much for movies but they pay seventy dollars for video games so we have to offer this much more value so like mm-hmm. they're trying to like you know contextualize the price of videos but um I was also like speaking of like sharing like concepts and assets and stuff like that that's what Ubisoft is famous for and you know when they make an Assassin's Creed game it's like made around the world so mm-hmm. like potentially if they actually wanted to do the more Assassin's Creed side of this the more Skyrim side of this um it may not matter that the division studio is leading it. Like it's kind of just a Ubisoft licensed game that has a home somewhere, you mm-hmm. know? And, uh, and speaking of which, like, I don't think Ubisoft really deals with licenses that often. They have the avatar license. That was the one that they're like, <laughs> the, the divi- for a long uh, time. that same studio is making it supposedly. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that interesting? And then of course all the Tom Clancy stuff, but I don't really count that, but they don't really, but it's funny that they went after like the biggest one in the world. I think it was weird that square Enix got, Avengers too. Like the the fact that these things are happening is 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 really interesting to me. Like how, how those deals are made. We should say, by the way, that um uh the mobile gotcha game Galaxy of Heroes made a billion dollars for EA. Yeah. So that's why I imagine EA will <laughs> certainly be allowed to continue making mobile Star Wars games. Yeah. I mean, you know, project cancellations and you know, Battlefront 2, Bad Press, all that stuff's very, very real. And you have to imagine that. With Lucasfilm Games and that entire infrastructure that Sam laid out being announced this week, like the decision to form that group was, you know, over 12 months ago, right? But but even so, like there has been this huge shining bright spot in the in the EA Star Wars sort of lexicon that's just not, you know, it's not like in the GameScoop, you know, level of awareness. It's just sort of yeah. <laughs> brewing there, printing money. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, th- I think there's still three years left in EA's deal, though, or mm-hmm. two years, something like that. I think it's two, it was 2013, I believe, when they announced yeah. that partnership. So 2023 is when it expires. So you have to imagine they're just getting cranking on this game now, very in the very early stages. It takes two years to make a game. Uh, so maybe 2023. It's interesting to, th- to think about what Justin said. They want to have this game ready to go for like as soon as the EA deal uh, is over. Uh, but you got to remember, like, it's been seven years since that deal was in place. Uh, like the Force Awakens wasn't even announced <laughs> at that point, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just imagine the leadership team at like Disney that set up that deal with EA is probably completely different than the team that's in there now that's overseeing like video games. I mean, the uh, Disney purchase Disney, right? happened between then, right? Yep. The Disney purchase of Star Wars was in 2012, I believe. Oh, right then? And, okay. Yeah. So then the next year they announced their partnership with EA. Jeez. So. I just imagine a lot of things have changed at Disney. And in 2012 was when they dissolved LucasArts. Uh, is that true? Mm, I looked that up today. Okay. Which was wow. their last game company that made not just Star Wars games. They actually made a bunch of other games that y- y'all probably know about, like all the Day of the Tentacle type stuff that Damon likes a lot. The Scum Engine. Yeah. yeah Monkey yeah, Island. All that. It is exciting to think about other talented developers being allowed to make Star Wars games. It's exciting to think about, to imagine Obsidian making an RPG in Star Wars. It's, it's, it's exciting to think about talented indie developers being allowed to make Star Wars games. Like I can just see how awesome a super Star Wars style game with like really beautiful Dead Cells Pixar would be. Mm-hmm. I, hope, I hope they're like open to, to those That's sorts of cool. collaborations as well. We used to get stuff like we had Tiny Death Star on phones. Was a really That's cool. right. You're right. Wow, that's now that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> uh, 
for its part, EA um, has commented on making more Star Wars games with with uh, Lucasfilm Games. They uh, they said the quote: "We are proud of our longstanding collaboration with Lucasfilm Games, which will continue for years to come." Uh, so, you know, e- even if it's just uh, uh, sequels to Fallen Order uh, and the mobile I, stuff, and mobile stuff, and, and I, you know, I, I think they'll probably want to do something with Battlefront as well. Yeah. Um, oh, but I do like the the quote. Um, the, there was a, a comment. There was a clever comment on our article on IGN. FPS noob 2012 said, Disney to EA, I'm altering our deal. Pray I don't alter it further. <laughs> Pretty good. True. Um, you know, Lando just takes that. Like, he's just like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. I don't want you to alter the deal further. He doesn't even fight it. <laughs> well, no. what do you, well what do you but he does in it? the end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is, he is fomenting well, a betrayal that whole time. Yeah. He says something. Doesn't he say this deal is getting worse and worse all the time? He mumbles to himself yeah. as he storms off. There was a pretty good um, shower thoughts on r slash shower thoughts. That was I'm paraphrasing. Uh, Darth Vader statistically, Darth Vader choked enough of his employees that at least one probably liked it. Oh, God damn it! <laughs> this uh, this is something I read on the internet. This isn't coming out of that. me. Yeah. Um, so. Lucasfilm, <laughs> you can edit it out. Uh, Lucasfilm Games announced this week, and then uh, they announced that uh, Bethesda and Machine Games, Wolfenstein developer of all developers, is going to be making an Indiana Jones game. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a surprise to me, at least. Machine uh, Games contractually has to make games where you're fighting Nazis. Yep, they certainly have a lot of experience in that front. Um, but I think Machine Games has only made Wolfenstein games except for an expansion for Quake. So first-person shooters is their forte. I wonder what this game would be. We already have two successful Indiana Jones-style video game franchises in Uncharted and Tomb Raider. Mm. Um, I don't So what is, like Sam, I know you're a fan of Indiana Jones. What, what do you hope this game is? Well, first of all, you should check out our awesome Easter eggs feature from that trailer, because in that tiny little pan over the table, um, our uh, Indiana Jones fan uh, just found the craziest stuff in it about, you know, where it takes place, which is the Vatican, stuff like that. So uh, that was really cool. But I uh, am uh, really excited because I think this developer melds action, even though it's first person action, uh, whatever, with storytelling and character in such a great way. And Indiana Jones is paced that exact way. When you when Hmm. the two good Indiana Jones movies, uh, oh, actually, I really like Temple of Doom, I should say. Uh, I don't think it's good, but I love it. (laughs) Um, I love parts of it. Um, they're they're paced in that way where it's like there's these kind of like quiet times where there's some funny character development and some good conversations and stuff. And then there's like these action sequences. And uh, that's exactly what the new Wolfenstein games are. I couldn't be more excited. And I hope somebody at uh, Machine like had this pitch, took it to them and said, like, look at the games we make. You guys got to let us make an Indiana Jones game because I think it's like such a perfect match. I think I think it's great. It is a really inspired choice if you look beneath the surface of them being, you know, an FPS studio. Mm-hmm. Tina, what's your take? Honestly, not much of one. I, I obviously acknowledge the the same sort of Nazi theme that everyone else does. And yeah, our feature going through, like, here are some of the details that we can carve out of um, the very tiny trailer was interesting because, like, you can surmise that maybe maybe Mussolini is a character and the Pope sure is a character. Um, yeah, like, like specific figures. Cause like, I think the, 
like the the palace was circled or something and like that's where the pope lives so i think you might like have a meeting there um so there might be some interesting characters so yeah obviously like through their their pedigree of focusing on on characters and storytelling through those sorts of dialogue interactions and then punching a bunch of nazis makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense and it was yeah. super smart on a more business level super smart um for 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 disney and, and lucasfilm games in general to announce not just Star Wars games under their branch. It's it's kind of a signal, in my opinion, that like you're you're going to see more out of uh, this new publishing branch mm-hmm. um, than just Star Wars games. Which obviously, just Star Wars games would have done the trick. But um, from the the VP who had said that this is like the legacy of old Lucasfilm games that we're now trying to live up to. So I think that was also a little bit of a tease. Like you guys should expect some other properties uh, making a return mm-hmm. outside of just Star Wars stuff. That's great. You know, India, like Wolfenstein is really violent. Indiana Jones is super violent too. Like, I mean, a Nazi. Oh, but not on that level though. A Nazi's face like, melts off and scares yeah, a generation of children. It's, it's PG it melts like, from level blood 80. to bone to eyeballs. <laughs> and he screams the whole time. Yeah. But it's only going to get higher resolution now. <laughs> Yeah. I think um I think Tina just touched on something really important though where um you know Ron Gilbert has been trying to not actively trying to but like wants to make a Monkey Island game like for decades but then like mm-hmm. I think and he's a comedian so he's half joking but he says he literally can't even get the right person at Disney on the phone it's like well Disney owns it now how do you even make a Monkey Island game and like but now the stage is set for like stuff like that to actually become a reality potentially yeah. Feels like they're finally like they feel like they have an opportunity to make their mark in the video game world now that they've experienced some losses and some wins and they mm-hmm. know they I'm sure they've learned a ton through the process so diversifying their developer group <coughs> and their IP lineup like that's that's a pretty good path to to the yeah. future success. Your the losses and wins is such an apt point because Star Wars has been such a weird roller coaster where fans completely have rejected Star Wars and and uh, the you know a lot of toxic fans too, but people that have, you know, just that don't like those movies. Um, they, they had this hubris when starting out at Disney star Wars where they're like, yeah, we're going to do this trilogy. We're also going to do star Wars stories. And here's a huge amount of other projects. We're just going to go ahead and announce. And what did they just do? They, they caught quiet on all of those and they did the same thing for TV. And now they're doing the same thing for games because they're, because they screwed up movies a little bit and maybe people can't go to movies for a while. So I think it's really interesting to see like this year that Disney has to show games, 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 movies, movies, movies. And I think you're going to see that from other Disney stuff. I don't think it's just going to be star Wars. Like that's like, I would expect that we're going to see a lot about Marvel games this year and a lot about uh, Disney games and stuff like that. Sam, maybe Capcom can make another Willow game. <laughs> maybe you know, I, I was. What are the other Lucas franchises? It's Lu- it's Willow, and Howard the Duck. Yeah, is there Which anything now, else? I mean, now is a you know Marvel MCU character. Yeah, so, is there is there anything? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Did they do I, batteries not included? Yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> um, my favorite sort of just piece of internet ephemera I've seen around the Indiana Jones thing is. You know, Todd Howard teased it, right? Like he gave an interview. He didn't actually tease it, but had Indiana Jones, you know, paraphernalia behind him in an interview he gave as sort of like, you know, one of those things that he recognized people would pick up on after the fact. He also has a really, really fancy, like leather bound edition of Lord of the Rings behind him in that same interview. And Arcane is working on an unannounced fantasy game. <laughs> and so 
like this means nothing to be super crystal clear, <laughs> yeah, but like yeah. that's where I like I just like that um that sort of like crazy conspiracy theory of tying all the pieces of yarn together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Borba points out that Lucasfilm has Labyrinth. Mm. Now I've never seen that movie, but I feel like I have because people have talked about it my whole life and I've seen a lot of pictures. What does yeah. that make a good game? You've, you've seen David Bowie in, in costume. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, la- doesn't Labyrinth sound like a video game? Like, isn't that just the title <laughs> of a video game? Video game. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Um, okay. Uh, Wolfenstein, obviously first person games. I don't imagine uh, a, an Indiana Jones game would be first person. But what do you think? Are they going to use Harrison Ford's likeness, the likeness of young Harrison Ford? And then it's really weird when they don't. But we have precedent because it just happened with Avengers and it was super weird. And then it happened with Spider-Man and then they reversed it. (laughs) Yeah. And then like, but like, do they just get a sound alike for the voice? Yeah. Or or can they James Bond it? Can there just be different actors playing Indiana Jones? There's already been a bunch of obnoxious Indiana Jones substitutes. Like they had the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. And yeah, it's just great, though. It's a specifically uh, set Indiana to... Jones too. Yeah. Like what was it? They said it's like at the height of his career between two yeah. movies because it's set in 1937. So yeah. It's, you would it's have to like between... get that age Indiana Jones, which is not Harrison. So between age. between Raiders and Crusade. Yeah, because Temple of Doom is a prequel. Yep. Which always yep. blows my mind when I really think that one out. It's so mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> and then this, of course, this announcement bring. We have the same question about it that we have about Microsoft acquiring Bethesda is like, what, you know, does, is this a multi-platform game? Is there any world where this is an Xbox exclusive? Maybe it's a timed exclusive. Yeah. I feel differently. We don't know. Um, But when it comes to uh, licensed games, the license holder Lucasfilm games is interested in as many people playing this game as possible. So, yeah. you know, when it's something that you own the rights to like a fallout or an elder scroll, sure. Do whatever you want. But like when you're playing around with someone else's brand, um, you tend to see those games appear on as many platforms as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although like the whole Marvel um, situation with Marvel's Avengers showed that like, you can still go through with console exclusives with like Spidey not coming to, um, well, as far as we know, not coming to Xbox platforms for that game. So who knows? And I I feel like generally philosophically speaking, I imagine we won't see much change with Bethesda until the dust kind of settles and it's like fully a Microsoft brand at some point, um, just so that there's like a seamless uh, transition so that people aren't upset by the fact that they might be locked into uh, Game Pass. Yeah, you only um, you only get the whip on in the Xbox edition. <laughs> <laughs> Cruel. But this is this is all good news for for Microsoft. I, I I like think about that. Like if if they really did want to do this and go into the next couple of E3s with like, yeah, we got Indiana Jones and Skyrim. Like that's it's they've so matched Sony so quickly. I'm just in disbelief of how quickly this is turning around. Well, not quick, not quickly in terms of getting the games out there, but relative. This episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the US. That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. 
And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com gamescoop. One in five Americans has learned a new language on their bucket list, or life backlog, if you will. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Upgrade your personal skill set in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Its tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I have a trip to Mexico coming up, so I've been using Babbel to brush up on my Spanish. The courses are short and sweet, so I can do one whenever I have a few minutes to spare. And the words and phrases it teaches you are designed for practical, real-world use, like ordering at a restaurant or asking for directions. Babbel can even provide you feedback on your pronunciation with its speech recognition tech. And it's not just for Spanish. Babbel includes 14 different language courses, each backed by a 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for Scoop Nation. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, only for our listeners, at babbel.com gamescoop. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com gamescoop, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com gamescoop. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay, moving on from Lucasfilm Games, we've got a new trailer for uh, Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury, I believe, uh, this week, which I, uh, I think is looking really cool. Of course, it's a game that we've most of us have played before, but the Bowser's Fury stuff is looking very cool. Sam, what was your take on this? Uh, well, the strategy guide is really good for this game, first of all, because <laughs> yeah. I wrote it in 2014. Cool. <laughs> That's how old this game is. 2014. Well, you don't have Bowser's Fury content. Yes, yeah, so the Bowser, maybe I'll write that. Uh, uh, Bowser's Fury, I've, I'm obsessed with this game. I think it's so cool looking and I'm really, really excited for it. I think it's just I think it's really small. Like It, it seems to be yeah. one Mario Odyssey level. I don't see how this has anything to do with the uh, Mario 3D world, but it seems like this kind of like um, play, it's a sandbox, like like the biggest ones of those levels. Like the, I'm thinking like the desert level, but with a concept that, that uh, has been explored in Mario before, like in Mario 64 with the um, the clock level where you can stop it at different times or the water raising level. Mm -hmm. um, it has some kind of level levolution as they called it in battlefield <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. Was that battlefield? Oh, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, every once like you can do your like, like light exploring and it's all cat themed, which is great. And then Bowser comes up, it comes out and wrecks everything and raises platforms and changes it. And you have to dodge him. <laughs> I think it's really funny. And the amiibo looks so cool. There's a cat Mario and a cat peach amiibo. Now they're amazing. Yeah, they do look really cool. That's my that's my reaction. Hmm. I like that Nintendo is like the only company that can be like, it's just cat themed for no reason. Don't worry yeah. about it. It's just cat themed. And it's like, oh, and there's Cat Mario. And you're like, oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, cool. cool. There's like no way this game came from them saying, let's give the fans something extra when we re-release re a Wii U game. Yeah. There's just it's, no What, Bowser's way. Fury? You don't think? It's, no, I completely agree. It's 100%, and I don't mean this pejoratively, but it's 100% like, you know, a cut, recycled Mario Odyssey concept. It's just like, grafted. 
Yeah, yeah. exactly. I don't know why. Oh, then also the other big elements of it, Mario Sunshine, just for no reason. It, the, the whole game you can play co-op with Bowser Jr., who's in his full spoilers, spoilers, uh, Mario Sunshine mode, where he has his paintbrush and is 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 graffiti the island. In this case, also also another looks like a vacation area too, which is kind of funny. They kind of described it that way. There's so much in this game. It's like a game you have in a dream that like never existed, and you're like, oh, that would have been you know. It's just like it's such a mishmash. I don't know where it, it is. Came from. It's exactly. <laughs> I really like that description of like a child's. Like if my daughter were to describe a Mario game, it'd be like, and then Bowser gets really big and the level yeah. changes. <laughs> And it's all about cats. cats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's all about cats. Okay. I do love that they can get away with that, just the cat agenda. Yeah. This is great. Probably the coolest Bowser's ever looked. Bowser looks sure. great. And also, Damon, yeah. this might be the best Godzilla game ever made. Let's see. Yeah. Unfortunately, I have to say that might be true. <laughs> <laughs> Still waiting on that good Godzilla game. His whole uh, role in this game is just Godzilla. He gets out there, he yeah. stamps the ground, and spits fire. Yeah. So when they. Well, um, Godzilla doesn't spit fire. When they revealed that, uh, like big, big bad Bowser comes in as effectively a timed event, I just had this like moment of, well, what if Super Mario World turned into more of a Destiny World where you have all these different timed events and it's a big multiplayer game and you're going around and you're just yeah. like confronting all these Mario moments? I just, I love the concept that they're borrowing these little elements from other games uh, for these mm-hmm. popular multiplayer kind of things, even though it's not exactly the same by any means. <laughs> There's a, uh, a old tech demo for the GameCube where they showed uh, 128 Mario's hopping around. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it was. I think the tech demo is widely referred to as Mario 128 now because 64 times two. And um, still, it, they, they, there's a couple of versions of uh, Mario now where there's like 2D people's all at once. It's total chaos when there's four people. But I still think it'd be really funny to see like a hack of Mario. Uh, with you know 128 players in it, in an instance, just all just like rampaging over a, a 3D area. It's such all a, all Mario's have to idea. get together to take Bowser down at the yeah. same time. You got to find the yeah. right power ups. I mean that fits. <laughs> yep, you all jump on his back and it's just like mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's like Pikmin. <laughs> it's just like Pikmin. I was just playing Pikmin three last night. Yeah, exactly. And Mario yeah. 28, 128 probably became Pikmin. Is, is yeah, I, th- I think that's true. I think that's canon. Yeah, canon. Uh, <laughs> Um, I, I played through, I played through 3d world. Like, you know, I played through it, beat it. And then when I watched the trailer, I have absolutely no memory <laughs> of any of the 3d world content. I'm like, I don't remember any of this. Like, and now I'm like second guessing. I'm like, did I play it? Like, I know I started it. Like, so I don't know. Like I'm excited. I have, I have much more vivid memories of every other 3d Mario game, but 3d world is a little bit of a black hole for me. So it'll feel fresh. It's easier. Good. It's not. It's not as hard as Odyssey and stuff, which is totally fine. Um, it, and Galaxy got a lot harder by the end of end of Galaxy and Galaxy Two. Yeah, they're really brutal. Galaxy Two is really hard. The, the collectibles are really tough though, and you have to collect these stamps in each level. And um, yeah, it was it was a really tough guide to write, just because it was came at a wrong time of year. That's what I remember. It's like, how am I going to get this done? But it worked out. I, I am looking forward to revisiting. 3D World. I haven't played it since it came out in 2014. But uh, a lot of people are disappointed that Nintendo is asking $60 for a port of a seven-year-old game from two generations ago that yeah, has... One generation. What, you Maybe Wii it should be $65 because yeah. they included more game in it. <laughs> $70 I, to maintain with the, the increasing standard of next-gen yeah. price. Yeah. I do Remember, think that's... 60 is the 2021 discount. 
Mm-hmm. I think it's. I think that's really miserable. The uh, you know Nintendo's done it many times now. Um, it felt less bad with Mario Kart because it included all the DLC. Um, but you know Mario Kart, Pikmin, New Super Mario Brothers. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a pretty awful practice. Um, but I still end up buying. I think I've bought all of them, but the collection, but 3D All Stars. So yeah, I've been enjoying Pikmin three, playing it for the first time. Oh, I I, I did like. I specifically, like I've talked on this show before about how I hate these ports are $60, but I bought Pikmin for a big trip I had to take, and um, it's just great. It's just the loveliest game. Okay, let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. (laughs) (laughs) I should try to plan that better. But I like listeners. I li- you, yeah. I hope you appreciate the fact that Justin was willing to choke <laughs> in order to get that out there, <laughs> in order to say hi to you. Uh, remember, you can always reach us at the email address gamescoop at ign.com, just like Clark from Cleveland, Clarkland did. He says, "2021 is finally here, and hearing you read my question on the air, I know this year is going to be a good one." We are a couple months into the new console generation, one I haven't yet entered, though not for lack of trying. And I can't help but wonder if the new consoles are underpriced. Don't get me wrong, I'm thrilled with the $500 price point. Hooray for competition. But it seems that if so many are willing to pay $700 on the Electronic Bay, then perhaps the consoles should have been priced at $600-ish. Some quick and easy math. If Sony had sold their 4.2 million units at the $100 higher price point, that would have earned them an extra $420 million. Do you think that strategy would have worked? Or in the long run, Sony and Microsoft would have lost money due to a lack of future sales thank you for all the amazing shows yeah you we would have missed that that spreading of the wealth around the economy for all the people that flipped consoles though (laughs) what a mess aren't they aren't they a thousand dollars now online they're less i'm i was looking it up right now there's a website that they're not some evil website but i don't want to name them because i don't want to reward the resellers um mm-hmm. that uh that is second hand like you can and then it gives you price history and the way that it works is i have a thing here's how much i'm willing to sell for it and someone says i want a thing here's how much i'm willing to pay for it and when the two meet like it matches them up and a sale happens and um ps5s are selling for $730 on that website today and what, I, what compared to what we've seen yeah, they are coming down. That's what I was going to say is, you know, they were 800, 900 around the Christmas season when everyone was really, really desperate to get one. And now as, you know, every single time the console comes back in stock at Costco or Amazon, that's like that many more people. It's that much pressure is released off like the secondhand market. And um, what's fascinating me is there used to be a really big gap between the PS5 and the Xbox. People wanted the PS5 way more. But mm-hmm. now in the second-hand market, the prices are pretty close. The Xbox is 688 So, um, so and, and I should point out that they give you total sales numbers. And we're talking about like 70,000, 80,000 total consoles sold in this way, which is a really significant number of the total consoles manufactured and sold in the United States at all. Like, this is not some tiny secondhand like only a few people taking advantage of it this is this is super real for a lot of people yeah it's Mm -hmm. widespread and been going on for at least a few months now yep i don't think you should meet demand with higher prices i think you should meet it with supply and Hmm. it might might have been tough this year 
that doesn't excuse the previous uh, uh, every console launch ever. But uh, supply is really, really bad for these. And it's part of marketing and it's part of the excitement. And it's too bad because really, like if there was three times the supply, then the price, we know you'd even be talking about it this way. Everybody would have just got one when they wanted it. And we'd yeah. be moving on. Yeah. As far as like price and value, um, I, I do think likely it was more costly to make the, to actually manufacture the consoles than it is at the same time. Uh, you know, you want to make sure that people aren't going to bulk at your price either, which Sony is very yeah. familiar with. And then we knew that the two of them were also playing this sort of weird game of chicken of like who was going to reveal their price mm -hmm. and some other details first, because um, that was going to just completely set the narrative from then on. So the, the two of them knew like Sony and Microsoft knew that they had to remain competitive and get their profits elsewhere, not on actual hardware sales. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Where like the one way to look at it is, well, you know, 80,000 plus consoles were sold secondhand for 600 or $700. So, you know, of course they're underpriced, right? Like, look, like the market's showing you people are willing to pay more, but there's more at play than that. Like you have to be on the gamer side and maintain a long-term relationship with them for decades. And, uh, and one would have used the higher price to hammer the other, um, yeah. you know, into the ground. Mm -hmm. Remember too, in the math that he did, if you raised the price by a hundred bucks, they'd make that much more. If you sold three times as many, you'd also make a lot more money. That that's yeah. it, it's it really is a supply situation, and the way they should fix it is by by supplying more. I also th throw in here that like bundles do the same thing, where it's like it's not a reseller, but a bundle is limiting the supply by saying like you know you, you can get this, but yeah. only if you buy these other controllers. There's a lot of other. There's a lot of other side effects to these these systems not having big supply. There's been yeah. them. I will say that uh, you know the bundles are super expensive because the con the controllers are expensive and you know the games are expensive. So it's like, damn, you get up to like an eight hundred dollar PS5 bundle really fast. But some of them have been okay. It's like a second controller and Spider Man. And it's like, well, you know, all right, <laughs> yeah, like You're probably gonna do that anyway. Yeah, exactly. That's not a bad way to jump into next gen. Um, Remember in the Wii, they'd be like, okay, you get a game and these extra controllers are like, that's great, that's great, that's great. And they're like, and neon covered gel things to put <laughs> over your controllers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And a bunch of stickers for your TV. Would you oh, like yes. that? Stickers for your TV? I mean, so I will say, I, I don't think the consoles should have been more than they are. But again, I keep coming back to the fact that so many are being sold secondhand, like, there's an argument to be made that you could price out the secondhand market, right? Like if you price your, yeah. your item appropriately, like the money is flowing through the proper channels instead of flowing into the, into the hands of bad actors that mm -hmm. are, you know, buying up and securing all of your online stock before, before people can even buy it. There yeah, should have been I, different precautions this year, because this year, the thing that protects this in the end is yeah. that retailers are like, come on, man, you, you can't keep buying playstations. Yep. Like that actually stops people from doing it. it, it and online, there, there's so many ways to just have one person multiply their orders by a lot and hide that. Sucks. Yeah, there's a there is a special like another pressure release valve on this sort of thing. Normally is that, you know, there's going to be a million PS5s in store shelves that people can walk into a store and buy that doesn't exist, unfortunately, in 2020 and 2021, where um, if they're all being sold through online channels, then people that are bought in consoles, unfortunately, have an edge. Okay, this is Alex McVean from Woking UK, and he wonders, is Cyberpunk the new E.T.? 
let it allow him to explain. He says ET holds a reputation as the quote worst game of all time because of the way the marketing overpromised and the game underdelivered right at the wrong moment. With the launch of Cyberpunk 2077 being such a disaster, despite the odd flashes of an enjoyable game on occasion, have we now got a modern day equivalent of ET on the Atari 2600? I'm going to go ahead and say that's that's a little bit uh, melodramatic, I think. But what was the coverage of this? It was equally melodramatic, right? I mean, that, that's that's well, that's the, the coverage, thing. sure. Yeah. So his uh, my initial, you know, reaction to his comparison was skeptical, but that explanation shows that it's really like the storytelling around a holiday release for a toy, which pissed off people and parents. Like that's what it was for ET. It was like everybody was super mad about how it under delivered and it was overhyped and. Then a bunch of parents took those games and returned them. And then it just destroyed retail. And, you know, there's the snowball effect after that uh, for the crash of the, the game industry. That's not happening now. But people love telling the story of the big broken game around the holidays. Uh, even if we didn't hear a lot of holiday connections this year, like that's what the story was. Section I don't agree wise. with that story entirely either. Which part? Oh, that it's a big broken, you know, game that everybody oh, should hate well, and return forever. I mean, but that, that's that's a, a key difference here, right? Yeah. The ET and the 2600 was the only version, and the PC version of Cyberpunk is, you know, great. Well, yeah, the there PC was a version, version that worked. Great. I'm just <laughs> There's one. Um, yeah, there was a version that worked, and, you know, maybe reception-wise, there's some similarities, but it's just a, such a completely different story, and we'll have a very different ending, too. You're not going to see, like, you know, I don't know, a bunch of codes of Cyberpunk, like, in a landfill. But, you know, there, <laughs> that game, E.T., was just, it just was set up to, it wasn't set up to fail intentionally, but there was no way in five weeks that game was going to be anything <laughs> serviceable, as opposed to the many years that they worked on Cyberpunk. So I think that there was just um, a misunderstanding and project miscalculation on a whole other scale than what Cyberpunk was dealing with. Um, and, you know, there's, there's some allusions to that. We obviously don't know the full story exactly yet, but there's some allusions to what maybe some of the struggles were. And obviously, you know, they recently came out with another video trying to explain some of what awry, um, which mm-hmm. still doesn't shed a lot of light on what happened, um, but kind of gives you insight into it. it certainly wasn't someone coming and say, you can doing that. You can do this in like a year even. Right. Uh, and just completely, uh, just completely give like an unfair, uh, scenario in which to make a video game deliver. Yeah, E.T. Yeah, is kind of crazy that Crunch was was a story for E.T. I mean, yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> cameo happening. That is um, really an interesting connection. I'm really happy you made that. I never, that would have never made that connection. That's really cool. E.T. is credited with cratering the, the console industry in the early 80s. And like Cyberpunk's not going to do that to the console industry today. But that does make me wonder, like, is the video game console industry? Uh, is it? Uh, invulnerable like can you imagine it being cratered uh, I, I i think it's here i mean it is here to stay right i mean forever. what's funny is that we all talked about theaters being uh going away forever in like 2000 yes nice? and it took a pandemic to actually make that happen yeah <laughs> yeah exactly. but the video game industry is thriving in the pandemic exactly so. exactly um, I would take an, an evolution of video games, I think, to make it so consoles specifically didn't matter anymore. And that would be, you know, phones can run everything. VR yeah. is really good and not invasive and it's part of our lives or in the Black Mirror version of it, part of our brains. <laughs> like those, yes. those, That's the point in which things go away. But I think humans, uh, uh, 
pining for virtual worlds instead of the real world is like going to be around forever as long as we have the technology to maintain it. Yeah, no, unless unless gaming gets completely eaten by PC, you know, there will always be a console business. Um, I love seeing the ET footage alongside the cyberpunk footage. By the way, <laughs> yeah. it's like, damn, just to see the similarities. <laughs> it's like. I, <laughs> Well, but then it's like like other other art forms don't have this problem. Like the Beatles' Rubber Soul is like not that different than like albums that are coming out today. That's true. Then like look at look at ET compared to Cyberpunk. <laughs> like it's I don't I don't know I don't know I don't know how video games can continue this way. The whole innovation of auto tuning. So mm. <laughs> don't forget about that big passion in the music industry. It's true. <laughs> Um, with ET, do you guys know the the, the defense of ET? That kind of comes from Howard Scott Warshaw, its creator, uh, a little bit. But um, that like if you use the manual and play that game, like a lot of it makes sense immediately. Um, and I personally, uh, I think ET is just boring anyway. But like that's really interesting to me that like you you have to use this kind of multimedia thing to to get through the game. Um, you know, another famous game that did that was Earthbound. It came with a, a big traveler's guide that was not a strategy guide, but a big tourist guide that had a little bit of tips and stuff like that, but mainly just explain the areas you're in. I think that's awesome. And I don't think we're going to see much of that anymore. I don't know. Sony was, was apparently like, I, it's supposed to be experimenting with game help built into their user interface, but we haven't really seen that yet with PS5. Yeah. True. I, I, All the launch games have that built in. I, I guess I just haven't really. Well, like Sackboy does. Creed. Which one does? Sackboy, but like it's not yeah, it's not it. it's not interesting yet it's just like no. you know there's a collectible in this level you didn't get and i'm like i know that like, <laughs> yeah you know yeah the game's interface uh, tells me that yeah. i love it when games have an external thing that's just tied into it like i mean even like the uh, halo um uh meta games and stuff like that that were existing like it's just cool when, when games permeate the real world in, a, in an interesting way and I, and I wish that you know there would be an era in which we could get cool paper things with our games that, you know, you kind of play along with. It's the, it's the melding of tabletop and games. I think it's really cool. All right. Extracurricular activities. Okay. Has anyone else finished Cobra Kai season three? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Not yet. Tina and Sam have. Justin haven't. Yeah. Well, everybody but me. I really like yeah. Cobra Kai, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I watched so. it all the first day it was out. I finished it wow. that day. We, I, we split over like three nights, I think. Uh, so no spoilers. Uh, I still like it. I, I think uh, I think season two is a little bit stronger than season three, but I still enjoyed it immensely. Tina, Sam, how about you guys? Yeah, 100% agreed. Um, there's like a, a path that goes down on three that just kind of gets away from some of the lighter stuff that's yeah. really enjoyable. Um, and it gets just increasingly darker. Um, and I, I, I liked like season one's perfect balance between here, are those eighties characters and actors that you're familiar with. And some of these like, you know, new teenage faces that you might care less about. And it's starting to get more about that teenage world and a little bit less yeah. about some of that classic nostalgia stuff. But I suppose that was inevitable by season three. They need to go somewhere different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think my favorite part of this show is Johnny and Daniel interacting. And there's a lot of that this season. Mm-hmm. We lost Tina. Uh-oh. Okay. It's okay. It's gone dark. I'll oh. figure it out. <laughs> it's okay. You can uh, still talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, uh, I, so I like their interactions and there's some like straight up, like, you know, double dragon stuff, which is really funny. Yes. I always like those things. And then, uh, and then, uh, Daniel, I forget her name, but her, his wife has a lot of role in the new season. She's, yeah. she's a badass and she's really funny. 
and I really like her in it a lot. And, uh, and for me, I just watched all those seasons like all at once. Like I waited like three weeks to watch the new season. Like I didn't have any gap. So I, I don't really have a, a concept of season to season, um, differences yeah. really. But I thought this season just started a little bit weak and then it got better and better. It is yeah. crazy. Like what the, the levels of violence that these children inflict on each other with no repercussions is just <laughs> completely crazy. And insane. my favorite thing is when they break the fourth wall in the way, in a, in a way in which they kind of just talk about how silly it is that karate is so big in the Valley. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and, well, they, and they have like a school conference and they're like, I can't wait. What, what is even happening? Why are all these kids taking karate? And then, like, <laughs> and then they have to like reground that. It's so funny. Yeah. I do wonder how long they can keep it going. Like yeah, I, it, maybe they should just try one. Than, like, yeah. Don't stretch it out too much. Don't stretch it out too much. I'm I enjoying mean, old scenes of movies, which I'm just like, I have no idea what this is. What is the Japan stuff? What is that from? Cry to get two. I've never seen that movie. If that's that whole movie. Existed. Does karate get Tina back? Does karate kid three exist? Yes. And then awesome? there's uh, the next karate kid. Okay, so but three has the same cast. Yes, I don't remember three at all. I remember one. Three, three involves Daniel joining Cobra Kai. What? <laughs> yeah. Why? I mean, things yeah. have happened. <laughs> um, I think that the show. I'm I'm like halfway through season three, and I think I have had enough. I'm like, okay, yeah. like the shtick is like it's being it's like too much bread. It's butter spread over too much bread at this point. I still really enjoyed it, but I do wonder how long they can keep it going. Yeah. Well, I think it might reach a Damey uh, uh, award this year. Maybe not. I mean, yeah. That's, a, I mean, that's only, it's less than 12 months away. <laughs> I watched Ted Lasso and it was amazing. Yeah. Ted Lasso is so good. Mm-hmm. I want to watch it again. I loved it. I you should. It's worth a rewatch. There's so much dialogue in a show like that that you just like, you miss a bunch. And so, like, I feel like it's worth going back. It's also you know they're just so clever. Like the dialogue between so many of the characters mm-hmm. is just really smart. And, and even though there's, there's characters that are mean to each other, there's a lot of kindness in that show. And I really like that about it. It feels yep. really good. And I can really relate to it. Oh, yep. 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 You know what else there's a lot of in that show, Sam? Uh, references to Kansas City and Kansas. Yeah. There's and a I lot love of it all. And I don't think anybody <laughs> having to do that show had any, even knows what Kansas is other than like, let's just pick a Midwest state. But it did have some references. As a child, Sudeikis moved to Overland Park, Kansas, mm, that's which close. he describes as his hometown. Well, there you go. Went to Shawnee Mission West High School. That's a rich uh, part of town, right? But David? he went <laughs> he went to uh, Fort Scott Community College on a basketball scholarship, but left before finishing. So didn't go to KU, but is from Overland Park, Kansas. That's some Johnson County stuff, man. Yep. I don't trust it. Hey, that's my county. That's my hometown county. Yeah, but you're from Olathe. That's the yeah. boonies. Yeah. What's Are funny you is how much I know about Kansas, having never lived there. Um, I am also from Johnson County, yes. Iowa. Wow, I'm actually from Johnson County, Iowa, in yeah. Iowa City. How did so grow up there? Three fourths of the Omega Cops are from <laughs> a Johnson County. Yep. Yeah, Tina, are you? It, does, does Queens have a Johnson County attached to it? Not that I know of. So no, I'm from <laughs> Queens County, I suppose. <laughs> Queens is its own county. <laughs> All right, that brings us to video game twenty questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Andrew Campbell from Alabama. Could be a Johnson County. He doesn't specify. Mm. Yeah, could be. Let the questioning begin. Alabama. 
Well, first of all, can we just get it out of the way that you picked a more fair one this week? Because nobody knew what that game was last week. Bloody Roar? Yeah. Justin knew. Yeah. Oh, I. I but you would <laughs> well, have. It was been Justin in 20 questions then. <laughs> no, I would character. That knew is a strong word. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we get the answer, and I'm like, okay, like that was there was no <laughs> way. But like Bloody Roar, I feel like I sh- should have gotten there. And then also, well, if you're going to win the prize, a bunch of people tweet me after this, and I don't know if they're the winner, so you have to say, I was the run that wrote in, or else I don't know to respond. I think we all got attached and stuff this week. It was like, I love Bloody Roar, blah, blah, blah. So I don't really know if that was you or not, so I'm sorry. But they're all just going to say they were the one that wrote in. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I'll respond anyway. Uh-huh. It is I who wrote in with Bloody <laughs> Roar. See, we have our cheat, which is, did we mention this game already? And you all out there, you have your own cheat. I won 20 questions, and I don't ever know. you like, I'm so-and-so from Alabama, Johnson County. And you're like, oh, hey, we'll be best friends. Uh, that's all it takes. Yeah. Um, um, all right. In this, in this game, can you, can, you, can you punch people? Is there punching in this game? No. Are you sure? I'm sure. Because um, like you might like you can you can punch people in Mario sixty four for example. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So many games have melee. Oh okay. It's just like a backup. Thing. Okay. Okay. All right. Melee okay. is punching, right? We can agree there. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Because sometimes melee comes with well. Melee, so. I would say punching is melee, but melee isn't necessarily punching. Well, yeah, yeah but what game? Name me a game, Damon, that has melee Bonk. and no punching. Funk. Well. <laughs> 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 that was just <laughs> you got him you got me just i rest sam's case <laughs> um, well, sam rested dead. your case borba says left for dead as well which i'm trying to remember be punching Bor- yeah, i'm trying to remember if you could do like if, yeah like naked if you have no weapons like, if you have no weapons yeah. can you punch no, you always have. You're always equipped with your knife. Like, you don't pick up a knife. You always have one. Mm, okay, so Counter-Strike would be another one. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm glad we put that to bed. <laughs> uh, is, is this game, did this game originally come out on a, uh, a, a disc-based medium? Yes. Post cartridge. Mm. Why is there no punching? Mm-hmm. At yeah, all. that's kind of tripping me up because now I'm trying to think of like all the opportunities. But I'll keep going. Yes, a small yes. element. <laughs> Did this come like, out? Could, is like, this available on Switch? No. In most role-playing games, you can punch. Um, that, might, that might mean most shooters are out too because I think yeah. most of them are knife equipped. I know. Rather than punching. But they would well, be I back guess, in then, or they do, or they do the the butt of the gun. Where they you can ask it, like if, if this style. game has ha- melee combat. No, we're <laughs> wait. I'm I was completely blacked. What did you just ask, Sam? I yeah, wasn't paying uh, any attention. Um, I asked uh, if this came out on a disc based medium, oh. oh, and right. the answer and was yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Is this game okay? I'm gonna also, try it to didn't come out on Switch. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna rein it in. Um, oh, and didn't come out on Switch. Uh, does is this game played with 3D graphics? Yes. Also, probably not an indie game, which are normally code-based games. Right. Um, right. Uh, is it yeah. part of a franchise? Yes, that's five. Was this game made in the United States? Um. Yes. <laughs> Let me double check. Maybe it's you. 
Uh, does this made by was this made by a developer that has that has had an E3 press conference in the past couple of years? We haven't yes. used that one in a while. But, but let me double check this first, and I'll answer that one, which is a yes, just so you know. It's probably uh, Was this developed in the United States? Yes. Uh, and it's from a company with an E3 press conference? Yes. So a big old game. Hmm. Are there vehicles in this game? Yes. <laughs> Can they punch? I was going to um, ask, like, one of my questions was going to be, like, it could be a driving game. There would be explicitly no punching unless, yeah. it's, road, unless it's road rash. Mm-hmm. Because he was very clear, no punching. In None. None punching. <laughs> none, none punch man. <laughs> Is this a racing game? No. So not the crew and not you. And what are you making that face for? Because <laughs> there are vehicles in it. So I'm sure there's like, if it's like an open world game or something, there might be racing challenges. Is this an open world game? No. Ah. There are no racing challenges. Nope. What else do you do with vehicles? I suppose you drive them around. <laughs> I like it when we get to 10 because it gives my arms a nice little rest. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> um, would you describe this as a sci-fi game? No. We're doing very poorly. Shooter. Um we know we know we know I'd it's like you know if it's a shooter. Okay. I feel like he's giving that one to us for free. Like it's a no and he's just ignoring that I asked it. Is it a Let's shooter? Let's move on. No, we can't we can't can't It's not gonna be a shooter. I just don't like how much of a poker face is happening on Damon's <laughs> face right now. It's just it's too good. Mm-hmm. It's too okay. practiced. We can we can move on. Mm-hmm. Um, I I want to know the studio. I want we need to know the company. Was is this a is this a Ubisoft game? No. Is it? An EA? Oh, that, well, yeah. it can still be a first party game. We didn't even ask that. We're That's just doing good. this whole sloppy. Mm-hmm. Well, but it's a it was made in the U.S. and you know there's not well I guess Microsoft Game Studios, but there's not that many. It could still be any Halo game, right? Because you don't ever punch in that. But you asked if it was sci-fi. Oh, that's true. Yeah. No, and you do punch in Halo a little bit. You can punch. You can hit someone if you have a skull in your hand. Does that yeah. count? Mm-hmm. I would call that. Mm. I mean, that's certainly melee. Maybe not a punch. It's, it's bludgeoning. Like a slam. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah. I, so okay. EA or Bethesda. Bethesda. I mean, is it an EA game? No. Uh, oh <laughs> I don't want to do it. Should we keep down this path? Yeah, we have is to. It, is it Bethesda? I didn't hear. I didn't hear. Damon's frozen. Oh. I'm frozen? I no, lost you for a sec. What'd you say? Yeah. You asked if Bethesda, and the answer is no. No, no. Boy. I regret this. Sam was probably <laughs> right. Path, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I is was. It, it, mm-hmm. If it's a first party game, you know, and it's made in the US, there's not that many US made Nintendo or Sony games, but there are some. Uh, like, what do you call it? Uh, uh, the company Nintendo just bought. Aren't they in the US? Or are they Canadian? The Luigi's Mansion developer. Mm hmm. You know, in retro those. retro studios, obviously. Way forward is that what they're going? No. Um, well, I don't know. I don't know. I I feel bad that I led us astray. 
Is this a Microsoft game? No. Ah! That's 15. Mistakes were made. So it's Sony or Nintendo from some year. Came out on a disc and it's a franchise. It might even be Devolver or something. I, I don't know. Say, I was going to say, yeah. Unless it's Devolver. And technically, Nintendo, actually, technically, Nintendo doesn't do E3 press yeah. conferences. They yeah. do Nintendo Directs. Well. Is, is Damon considering the nuance of this? Well, and they also what's, used. What's a Microsoft series with vehicles and no punching? But I, we asked him, I just asked Microsoft and he said no. Yeah. Oh, sorry. That's right. So Sony series. Yeah. With driving and no punching. I don't know. Final Fantasy. That's. that's it has to be developed 115. in the United States. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, also, it could just have vehicles in it. It could just be Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Although I always just assume that it's like when you're asking about does it have vehicles, you can access it. Yeah, Spider-Man has lots of punching. And that's a good point about the vehicles. Um, I don't I give up. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even I I feel so bad that we had all those no's in a row for E3 press conferences. You're even holding your thinking balls. Yeah, it's just the one copper sphere. Hmm. Um, uh, Wait, is Activision? In the in the, they don't, they don't do, do they don't do E3 press conference. Yeah, it's been a while. Square Enix had one Square. for like that one year. You know, Konami had <laughs> their notorious yeah. ones. It could be Tomb Raider. Yeah, but that this punching in Tomb Raider too. <laughs> I like the punching question. Um, okay, <laughs> is this game? It's not on the Switch. I don't know how to narrow it down. Is it helpful to know if it's on like? P- PS4 and Xbox Series X. Uh, it'd be helpful to know stuff like do you play as a human? We we got to do some like wild cards now, just to like, just oh yeah, it's really obvious. You don't play as a human, and it's from a franchise. Like that would help me. Yeah, it's from a franchise. We know that. Do you play as a human? Uh, no, you don't control a human. I mean, the conceit. Is that yeah? You're like supposed to be a human, but you're not in control of the human. Yeah, so it's it's gonna be like a uh, what's the um, it's gonna be like that motorcycle game where it's like 2D and you go around. What are those called? It's gonna be like some kind of stunt driving game or something. I can only think of UB ones, like Trials. Yeah, yeah. like Trials, yeah. where you're you're controlling the motorcycle and not the person on top of the motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> Would that be an example of what you're talking about, Damon, where you're like always controlling a vehicle? (laughs) No, it's probably like an RTS game or something where we've had these arguments Mm -hmm. before. Oh, okay. Or like, you know. Damon, can you reiterate how you described it? Do you remember? Well, let me give an example. You asked, are you a human? Mm -hmm. Um, in uh gosh how to how to do this let me see uh well <laughs> in the game excite bike are you human yes but you're controlling the motorcycle right yeah so yes so, so yes, yes like you that. are human but that's not what you're in control of yeah, so so Sam's clarification was spot on. It's like a trials like game, except trials is Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be Joe Danger. 
what's what's <clears throat> what and it has to be like published by a big publisher or a little very little publisher that has an e3 press US. conference yeah um and then also what was the racing thing that we decide what we he asked said no. about no, yeah, racing. no racing no racing and no open world no racing no, no open racing world but yes vehicles yeah <laughs> are you are you is What's the main the, um, thing you're doing in this game being inside or controlling some kind of vehicle? That yes. Is. <sighs> could it's be twisted. Something like a trials. Like we already knew that. Could uh, be a twisted yeah. metal. I was thinking twisted, Rocket could be League. League that's true. Or Rocket League. Oh, it's yeah. not Rocket League because that easy. doesn't meet any of the other requirements, including coming yeah. out on a disc. Mm. Probably, it probably came out on a disc at some, some point. Maybe not. Yeah, is the this question a, was did it originally come out on a disc? Is this a really violent game? Is this a violent game? Yes, I think it's Twisted Metal. Yeah, it could be Twisted Metal, but I it should could have be asked, Twisted Metal Light. We only also. have one more question left, right? Yeah, I should have asked Car Combat instead of Violent. So you primarily control a vehicle, but there's no racing. It's not an open a world. Sony exclusive. It's not from EA Bethesda. It was made by David Jaffe because it's the United States. Yeah, and well, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm getting. Yeah, so Twisted Metal was made by um, Sony Santa Monica, or what? You know, whatever they were called back then over there. Yeah, David Jaffe. Um, yeah, I bet it's Twisted Metal. We I don't could know how use. To... Have we mentioned this yet? Yeah. Okay. Have we mentioned the game yet? Yes. Is oh. it Twisted Metal? Yes. Oh, ah! <laughs> <laughs> we got there. The original. <laughs> PlayStation 1, 1995, vehicular combat em up, twisted metal. Wow. <laughs> combat em up. No punching. Look how old that looks now. Yeah. The, and the story was insane in the original Twisted Metal. I remember like being in the mall as like a kid and being like, this is the most advanced game I've ever seen in my entire life. And it just looks like a Super Nintendo game in this. Look at how insane this story is. It's a contest being run by this ins- this crazy man named Calypso, and it's a fight to the death. Like it was crazy. It was like Mortal Kombat. So there are drivers in in those cars. It's not that they have like some yeah. kind of AI. Each one like is like a me. wacky. Each one is like yeah. a wacky character. Yeah, okay. it is. It is like a fighting game, and then they all have a crazy fighting game endy ending when they're the one that wins the twisted okay. metal competition. That's yeah. like F Zero. If we yeah. asked, is this a fighting game? What would you have said, Damon? No, just because like that's not what. It, but like a hesitant no, right? It's like an arena combat, you know, vehicular combat game. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was just looking at Twisted Metal stuff for the IGN store just today. That'd probably be good. Uh, the developer was Single Track, which is not around anymore, and oh. then, uh, published by Sony. I would have gotten that wrong. I didn't remember that detail at all. Yeah, yeah. But then Sony eventually brought it in house for like the PS2, like the the some of the revivals. I think it went to. Uh, 989 Studios or turned into that. Mm. You know, it's confusing. But yeah. Single Track handled the first two. Yeah, along with Sony Interactive Studios America. Hmm. That was a very backwards way to get to that. But you got there. Mm-hmm. So nicely job. Andrew Campbell from Johnson County, Alabama. Don't bother adding <laughs> Sam. Yeah, but everybody else can pretend to be him and then it won't matter this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, that is going to do it for our episode this week. That's all the scoops we have for you. Thank you to Justin. Thank you, Tina. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. Thank you to Borba working behind the scenes. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop and Route. It's the That's best. useful. Yeah.
I mean, yeah, it sucks that it's illegal because it's amazing. I know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You could, that's a that's a response to so many different things. <laughs> Indeed. I got my Lord, I got my Lord of the Rings cards. You guys no, excited for that Amazon show? Yeah, Cautious, <laughs> cautiously optimistic. I think it's such a bad idea to set that before uh, people care about middle. Uh, it'll have Elrond. Yeah, Elrond can be alive. Um, Legolas might have just been born then. Yeah. It's weird, man. I don't know. I, I think Numenor is a neat idea, but it seems like it's like really cool as like a myth in the background, and now they're just going to be like, Phantom Menacing it all. It's weird that elves um, are immortal, but they still like age. Yeah. Like, it's they really stop stupid. at some point. <laughs> Gand- I just ran a part in Lord of the Rings where Gandalf was like, when I was young... But like he just appeared as an old man in Middle Earth, like a thousand years before the events of Lord of the Rings. So. Yeah, he's he's like a demigod and presents himself as an old man. He's you know he's not an old man. Yeah, I do wonder that about elves. I don't know the lore of that. Sam, maybe you do. So it's like Legolas is younger than Elrond, so he's young, but like they're immortal. So it's like why is that just for like storytelling shorthand purposes? Like why they're yeah. different age they actors? Wanted, they wanted to introduce the idea of genealogies. So for genealogies. They have to have breeding. And so people have to have babies. And so then they're like, but they live forever, but they don't actually look old. So I think what they do is they hit a stopping point in their aging. Also, wouldn't there be, if they live forever, and I know there's wars where they die and whatnot. And ants are older than them. But like, wouldn't they be, wouldn't there be a billion elves if they never die? Yeah. They're (laughs) very, very restrained in their uh, breeding. Okay. (laughs) Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling-medical-investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.